On today's Locked On Giants podcast, former NFL scout David Turner joins me to break down the Dallas Cowboys debacle. And David also has a potential solution for the Giants run defense woes coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. Patricia China here with you, and thank you so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen of the day. And with me, as always, every Monday or every day after a Giants game is former NFL scout David Turner, president of Maverick Sports Consulting. And he's going to help me try, try to make sense of the New York Giants 44 to 20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Ouch. David, I guess the Giants really are in the Cowboys class. So much for uh, for all that, you know, talk of the Troy Aikman's words firing them up. Well, here's the deal. I mean, it's not like you had the clash of the Titans where you had healthy on healthy going on and getting after it right here. Um, you know, we walked in limping. We didn't have uh, our receivers, right? We didn't have all our receivers, Slayton, and um, help me out. Shepard. Shepard weren't there. And then, bang, <laughs> out of the gate. I mean, here we go. You know, the uh, we lose Barkley, we lose Jones, and then you know you lose Galladay, and now you're you know you're limping around at first. Well, now you're straight you know bleeding, and it becomes a mass unit. And poor Ronnie Barnes has to get up and earn his paycheck. And you know, I feel sorry because I saw him out there with Daniel Jones. Rodney looked him right in the eyes and he turned around and gave the X's. And I know what that sign is. This guy is done. Bring the cart. Like it's over. Let's go. And Ronnie's eyes were like, no kid, you're done. I don't care what anybody else says on this organization. You're done. And I've been there when Ronnie's done that. And I've, it's been very few and very, very, very few where Ronnie's like, no matter what somebody says, you're done. And I was like, whoa, like I could see him. I could see his face. And Ronnie was concerned. So when Ronnie doesn't do that, he's a, he's a vet. He's been there over 20 something years. He's been in the business forever. So when I saw that on the TV, I was like, Daniel's shut down. We'll get into all my feelings about that. <laughs> but <laughs> you know what? The defense at <clears throat> the start, they came out. They bent, but they didn't break. I mean, you know, think about the first few drives. They were giving up yards, but then they got down in the red zone. They had some good stands. Carter got the interception, <clears throat> but that offense just couldn't get anything rolling, really. And once Glennon checked in with the two interceptions and stuff, it was just over. I mean, Dallas is too, ta- Dallas is too talented to give them opportunities like that. Whereas the Giants got opportunities and turnovers like three in the first half and couldn't capitalize. That really was a big tell of the tape, if you would, in this in this matchup. I mean, the defense did create turnovers. Bradbury dropped that one that hit him right in the gut. 
which could have been the fourth turnover there. And, and again, it, it really, you know, the very next play, they come back and hit the skinny post and they got a touchdown to Cooper. I think it was. So <clears throat> the defense to me showed up a little better yesterday, but then got worn down because the offense couldn't stay on the field, keep them rested, couldn't score, couldn't keep them in the game. And when it's like that, it's a tough day for defense because you went out there in the first half and really did a nice job. And then the second half, your offense, and you gave up 17 points in the first half, your offense had 10 points, so you were right in the game. But then that third quarter, the offense got three points, and and then you know the defense kind of broke there in the end and gave up 17 in the fourth. Well, we're going to break all this down, but I got to start with the offense. Now, D- Daniel Jones proved my point yesterday, why I am not comfortable with a quarterback who can run. I know it adds a level of excitement to the, to the game. I know it's an additional weapon, something that the defense has to account for, but Dagnamit, this kid doesn't want to learn to slide. And it drives me nuts. Every time he takes off with the ball, he goes head first, shoulder first. And you can ask my husband, you can ask anybody in my colleagues who sit by me in the press box. I've been saying since the beginning of the week or the beginning of the season, rather, that Daniel Jones, if unless he learns how to slide, he's going to get dinged. And sure enough, he's gotten dinged. So that said, uh, Daniel Jones fancies himself as a tough guy, which he is. You know, I'll give him credit. He's, he's not a you know, he's not a wuss. But that said, I always remember last year how he tried to talk his way back onto the field with with the, you know, the game against the Cardinals when he had the sprained ankle. No, I'm sorry. He had the hamstring and he wasn't able to defend himself. And I know the league protocol is not going to let him back on uh, so quickly. But um, what do they do if they don't have him? I mean, Mike Lennon's got a strong arm, but he doesn't have the mobility. Um, what do they lose if they have to play Glennon this coming week against the Rams? Well, they lose the game. That's Besides what they lose. that. <laughs> that was Besides. simple. But no, I mean, <laughs> let me step back from that and I'll, I'll get there. If you give me a little road and a little rope here. Um, <clears throat> a big part, as you guys all know, everybody who listens to me when I come on here with Patricia or listens to my show, I'm always about the coaches making the decision, right? And the coaching decisions. Once you, once you learn your, your quarterback doesn't go down, will not slide. You have to manage that part of managing being a coach is managing people, managing the room, managing the play calls. Jason Garrett has to manage the situation. And yesterday when Shaq Bark, when, when uh, Barkley goes down, you have to go, okay, my number one playmaker on offense is down. Shepard's down. Slayton's down. I have to protect the one I got left, really, which is Jones. And to run Jones in that situation was flipping awful. And, yes, I did not cuss. So understand, first, that I love this woman, so I'm not cussing on her show. And, second, that I really wanted to cuss right there. Um <laughs> Because it's so stupid. You have one playmaker in Daniel Jones now. Yes, Galladay didn't get hurt yet. And you, Tony, honestly, I, I can't wait till we talk about him because that's exactly what I thought he was. That kid turned into what I thought he was coming out of college yesterday and why I've been pounding for four weeks to get him the damn ball. Um, but that all being said, 
Jason Garrett, to me, made a, a fatal mistake in calling that quarterback run. When you have Booker, you have Penny, you have Tony, you can run a, a fly sweep to or with. You have other options to dial up your quarterback to me is a lazy option. It's a lazy, lackadaisical option. You can run rub routes there. Like I said, you can run some Z flies. You can do other things there besides run your quarterback when he is the last guy you got going. I'm not a big quarterback sneak guy unless it's like a third and one and you're just going up the gut, you know, and you're just kind of leaning on the center and your running backs kind of push you like, cool, let's do that. Awesome. When you get them out on the perimeter, unless they're a rare athlete, like some like a Michael Vick was, then I'm all about running the, the quarterback because Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, they're rare athletes. Put them out. Don't don't limit your play calling. But a Daniel Jones who just moves well enough, who's decent at running. OK, he is. You're not you need to make him into the uh, Troy Aikman style quarterback, where unless it's a really short distance, you're not running him. Just Trust the rest of the. We talked about it last week. Does he have too many weapons? Well, he's not trusting the weapons around him. Okay. Like, and I'm talking about Jason Garrett's not trusting the weapons around him. You got Penny, you got Booker, you can run the ball, and then you choose to run the quarterback. Like, what the hell is going on with that? Well, let me me ask you this Was was that a, a call, or did Jones maybe decide to keep it himself and run? No, that was a call because it was play fake, and then he rolled out to the other side. So it was it it was a hundred percent designed quarterback rollout. They thought they were going to catch Dallas crashing that you know crashing down to get the the running back. And again, Jones had an open lane. I'm not saying it wasn't a a good play call, but in that situation, when you already lost Barkley for the game, you're out Shepard and you're out um, Slayton, and you know that you're out these guys. You have to protect the quarterback with the play calling. You have to. And and why? Well, look why. Because as soon as you don't, you got Glennon in the game and you get spanked by a divisional opponent and you lose the game. Not only lose it, but you lose it by 24 points and handily. And again, Joe Judge needs to take control of the offensive calls in this situation. Go over to Jason and say, hey, listen, without Barkley, you can't be running the quarterback. I mean, that's... That's not invading the offensive coordinator's territory when you're the head coach. You walk over and say, listen, I can't have you run the quarterback now without Barkley because, you know, if we lose him, we really have no playmakers. And Jason, being a head coach, should know this and just say, well, those plays are off my card right now. You know, like unless I absolutely need one, I'm taking them out. I mean, he's got a huge play card in front of him. With over a hundred dang plays on it, the quarterback runs might be five, might be ten. Take those out. You still have a ninety freaking play card. You got plenty of plays to run outside, dialing up your quarterback to run the ball. And if those mm-hmm. other plays on your play card aren't ones that you can go to in a pressure situation in a third and one or two or two down at the goal line and make it, then you have the wrong plays on your play card. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. Direct TV Stream brings you your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. 
dream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Now, I just wondered because, you know, I know last week Joe Judge was asked if Daniel has autonomy to change plays. And I just wondered if maybe he autobotalized it and maybe that wasn't what Jason initially called. I don't know. I mean, based on the personnel, I mean, it's certainly plausible that that was the play that was called. But, it, you know, the bottom line is Daniel Jones has got to learn how to slide. It just drives me nuts when I see him lower his shoulder, lower his head. You know, I didn't want to be right, but I kept saying it. And I kept saying that he's going to get dinged. He's going to get a concussion or worse. And hopefully this, you know, this concussion he has, hopefully it's not something serious. He gets through the protocol quickly. I don't know if he's going to play Sunday against the Rams, but, uh, you know, you, you just can't have this. And, you know, look, a lot of people, again, they say, oh, Daniel Jones can run. He's athletic. Well, you know what? I'd rather have Eli Manning's Ironman streak. And I have a statue back there and know that that guy's going to be in there every week than to have, you know, a running quarterback. I have never, ever been a fan of running quarterbacks and I still am not. But anyway, I want to talk about the offensive line. We've got to talk about this. Now, I found it curious that Andrew Thomas was active with the foot injury, but they kept them in an emergency situation. I didn't quite understand that because if the guy wasn't well enough to play and he didn't play any snaps uh, in the game, why not devote that to say a cornerback situation, which we'll talk about the defense later on, but I thought the corners had some, some issues there with, with what they were doing, but the offensive line, bottom line, Nate Solder moved to left tackle, had a rough go of it. Um, They had another left guard. They kept alternating. uh, I think they put, um, Matt Skura to start and then uh, Wes Martin in the second half, which to me, you know, when Joe Judge says, oh, we're going to play them all. I'm sorry if you've got to rotate guys and that means you don't know who your, your best guy is and you're still trying to find that out. And what are you doing in practice if you still don't know who your best guy is? I mean, what were your thoughts on the offensive line? <clears throat> They're the same they've been all year. more games. But it's it, you know, it they didn't do enough in the offseason to address the problems, and now they're sitting in this situation. But like you said, if you don't know who your starters are at any position, but at offensive line going into a game, who your best five are going into the game that are healthy enough to play, what the hell are you doing? Like, seriously. And again, I <laughs> I know Dave's not quiet about this because I've been in the rooms where I've heard him. You know, so I'm pretty sure Dave told them who the best five are. Now it's up to them to play them and it's up to them to do it. And that was the thing that Ernie, of course, he taught me early in my career. The biggest frustration for us personnel guys is that we don't control the decisions on Sundays. We don't control the cards, who who plays, who doesn't play. We don't control, uh, you know, <clears throat> who gets on the field, the play calling. And we can tell them all week long. Our, our analytics say this, our our reports say this, our eyes are telling us this, our guts are saying this, our our history, our experience of, you know, Dave, what, 40 flipping years, um, it, sa- it says this, and if they don't listen, they don't listen. <clears throat> like, I literally presented a report to the coaching staff when I was at the Giants as a young scout and said to them, every time we motion, we're a, a yard and a half less because our motions are dictating what our play call is. 
And this is and I broke down all the motions, what it would equal, blah, blah, blah. Detailed report, 15 pages, presented it, gave it to the coaches before I left the room. As I left the room, I should say I heard the guy who's responsible for motions. Oh, that just means we need a motion more. We're not described. We're not we're not distracting them enough. We're too predictable. I was like, are you kidding me? No, because when we just straight up line up and run the ball or do our play, whatever the play is without a motion, we're at 5.6 yards of freaking play. But when we weren't, we were like 3.9 or something. And I'm just like, just don't motion as much. That was my whole presentation. But the guy who was in charge of motioning defended the motions. And and that's what was frustrating, and that's what's frustrating. So when you talk about the offensive line and and not knowing who's playing or Thomas sitting on the sidelines, you might not know that foot might have been bad, and they needed to rest him, right? But if he was forced into action, he would have survived a game and not hurt the foot worse. You don't want to put him out against Gregory like that because Gregory's a power rusher, and if you can't anchor. I mean, you saw a soldier getting pushed all day into, you know, the laps of the quarterbacks. And if you got a bad foot, that's a hard day. I mean, if you had a speed rusher where you can maybe cut them and you can, you know, work them upfield, that's one thing. But when you got a power rusher coming into your chest, I mean, that's going to be a hard day on that foot. And then, you know, you got to run the ball to win this game. So you got to come off the, you know, got to come off and move a guy like Gregory play after play. That's really hard. So I can kind of understand that decision where it was like, okay, He's well enough to play, but we know if we play him, we're we're worse off because that injury is going to really limit him today. Um, But the next guy up isn't as good as him as he is hurt, right? So, you know, we're not going to pull Jackson off the practice squad and bring him up because Jackson's not as good as Thomas is hurt. So let's, let's try this and get through the game and see if we don't even need to call him up. And, you know, it is what it is. You limped in, like I said, you you limped into the game hurt with multiple people and you hung with them for a half, you know, and you, you, you know, some of the coaching decisions and game management stuff where I think the the coaches failed the team again and why they lost this game so bad. Yeah. Now a couple things I want to talk about with the offense before we flip to the defense, Kyle Rudolph, one target. I mean, I'm I don't understand. I don't understand this. why they invested in him. They're not getting this guy in the red zone. I don't get that. Um, Evan Ingram had four caught all four, by the way. And then Kadarius, Tony, I know you don't even talk start about defending him. Ingram. Don't. don't I'm not. I'm not. I know how you feel. I'm, I am not defending him. I know you want to talk about Kadarius, Tony, but first I want to ask you about Rudolph and why it's been so hard for Jason to get him in the offense, especially in the red zone where he's supposed to be, like this, this savior. And then I want to ask you about Tony, because you know, you, you were very high on him. So let's start with Rudolph. I don't, I, I, it's an, I, again, like I said last week, I would trade or get rid of Evan Ingram because Jason is not using Rudolph. And it's absolutely insane to me. They're paying Rudolph. They went and got him this, you know, again, he wants to run 12 personnel. Great. Here's your 12 personnel grouping. We got you this, like you said, third down, red zone, mismatch, sure-handed receiver. I was super excited about Rudolph coming into the year. I mean, go back and listen to those podcasts that we did early in uh, in training camp. And, and then also when they did the cuts, I was excited about Rudolph. I'm still excited about Rudolph. 
but Jason is underutilizing Rudolph and it makes no sense to me. And it's absolutely mind boggling that Jason hasn't gone to his play card and put more targets on it. Cause I think the man's every time that man's targeted this year, he's caught the ball. He might've missed one. Um, but again, he's really a sure handed man that can catch the ball. <clears throat> he does things after the catch with the ball. But on third downs and goal line red zone situations, like you said, he knows how to get open. He fights to get open and he can catch the ball in a crowd. He can catch the contested balls. He's really, really good at it, like fantastic at it. So for them not to be dialing him up again is a coach's decision, play calling decision, mismatch, and it's terrible. It's absolutely a terrible thing to have a man like that in your arsenal and not be utilizing them. That's ridiculous. So, you know, I can't, I can't defend that at all. And I'll say Evan yesterday, Ingram made a couple catches. He made one wow catch where I was like, Whoa. And then I thought, and honestly, I thought it was Tony catching it because it was 88 <laughs> and, it, and, and 89 had been going off. So I was like, Ooh, Tony caught another one. Then I saw his Ingram. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, cause honestly, it's like, okay, Ingram, you made one catch. You're going to go talk about that. All day, and then they're gonna want you to do that catch every week, and that was the one. You know, that was the one quarter catch. You'll make four of those a year, and that's why we keep you is for those four. <laughs> let's talk Tony. I know yeah, you. I know, how, I, know, I know how much you love talking about Evan, but let's talk Tony. Tony was a. I mean, he's everything we thought he was. Look at what he did yesterday: ten receptions, one hundred eighty-nine yards. He. I mean, he made some fantastic target moves. I mean, he was, you know, he showed he can get loose in a phone booth, you know, where people just, I mean, close quarter quickness is ridiculous. Stop and start and Rigo and his routes. I mean, everything was working. And then he twisted his ankle, taped it up, came back, went back out there, you know, played his ass off yesterday up until he lost his cool. Mm-hmm. Now, that was complete. And that was completely ridiculous for three reasons a you should know better you you're the only i'm sorry i know you're a rookie but here's the deal you're the only playmaker on the offense right now you lose your cool in that situation and got thrown out of the game now that offense has no chance of coming back none b your teammates didn't pull you off ingram was right there jumping on the dallas cowboy guy talking trash and building it up instead of pulling Tony out of there saying, come on, man, we got to win this game. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, 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 let it go. Let it go. Let it go. We'll get him on the field. Come on, come on, come on, come on. No, it was he Ingram jumped in there and started talking trash right alongside Tony, firing him up. And then boom, there comes the punch. And third, Joe judge didn't show his ass up into that huddle until after some of the other coaches were out there now last night i don't know if you watched the bills game last night but i watched the nightcap a similar scrimmage bus out on the field and guess who's in the middle the head coach for the buffalo bills he's in the middle he's talking he's pulling the opposite players off the opposite player turns around almost looks like he's gonna hit him and he jumps up in his face no this is it we're not fighting you know and he's up in there and he's throwing it Here's a situation where Joe Judge can run out on the field and set the tone for his team, like get back to the huddle, knock it off. And he shows up after staffers are already out there. 
Like, no, you got to be. I'm sorry. I believe in leaders. If you're going to be a true leader, you're the first one off the freaking bus. You're the first one to jump into the mix. You're you want leadership from your players, then exhume it yourself. You jump into that scrimmage and you break it up. You're a big guy. You're not like me. I'm five foot four and a hundred, well, 210 pounds, but I'm working on it. Um, and you got to jump in there. I would jump in there and I don't know any better. I would definitely jump in there and I'd probably get kicked or hit or something. But guess what? At least I was in the mix and I was trying to break it up. Joe Judge doesn't show up till late in the party. And then he really just, all right, all right. And then he walks off. I'm getting tired of this. Like, I was a huge Joe Judge fan coming into the season. I was excited, but I'm getting tired of this lack of passion and control that he is not showing over his team. And, then, you know, again, you're not managing your offensive coordinator telling him you can't run the quarterback. You're not managing the team because in that skirmish, you you didn't go jump into it and say, hey, knock it off. Get back to the huddle. We got a game to win. So what are you managing right now? New head coach. I mean, still relatively a, a young head coach. He's learning as he goes along. I mean, that's the only he's thing. He's not I a young guy. I mean, he's a, he's a, this is only his second season as a head coach. And it's, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to make excuses. I'm just trying to, you know, play devil's advocate here, but. No, um, sorry. But, I'm not but, buying But it. I do agree with you about, I, I do agree with you about, you know, oh, we got to coach better. It's, it's like the same spiel every week. It's like. How about a little, you know, it, although he did show some passion when he said about Tony that his actions were, were were not acceptable and would not be tolerated. So he does pick and choose where he does this. But, you know, sometimes he, he showed some passion. What in the press conference? A little bit, but in the press conference. Oh, yeah. But some, in a secured some, environment where nobody's going to be attacking him in a press conference. He handled well, I don't that know. Well. I'm not on the sideline. So to be fair, but what I'm saying is, is, is I, I can, you know, look, Joe always says that he's going to protect the franchise and keep stuff in house wherever possible. And I get that. I, I understand that because you don't want, like when McAdoo was here, remember how McAdoo used to constantly throw guys under the bus and it just wore on the players. So I kind of understand where Joe's coming from, um, and that said, I think you've got to pick and choose when you decide to let it loose, so to speak. And, you know, it's like you're not a robot, man. Show some emotion. You know, that's how I feel at any rate. But when you're you know, winning, think- when you got rings on your finger, you can be reserved. You can chill. Honest guy, when you're winning, you can chill yeah. and you can you can be. And again, but in that situation with those players going at it and with this team being one in four. That was an opportunity to inject yourself into the the leadership of the game and go out there and pull your players off and and get to Tony and Ingram before something happened and say, guys, knock it off. I'm here. I'm the big dog. I'm here. And I'm telling you, knock it off. Get back in the huddle because the referee's not telling you going to throw a flag for you coming off the, the, the sidelines because you're the head coach and you're breaking something up. Well, he did pull Tony off, though, and he did send him to the locker room. But, you know, maybe it was after the fact. I don't know. Too late. That's all. It was just too late. And and again, I agree about protecting the franchise. I agree that you don't throw players under the bus. I agree. That's 100 percent. I agree. But in that situation, jumping into the, the skirmish to break it up when you're down all these players and, you know, if you lose Tony or Ingram, you're down another playmaker. 
Like you have to assess that quickly and do it. And last night, the Bills coach did that. He assessed it quickly. And he's like, listen, I got to jump in here and just get my guys cooled and get the other guys off my sideline. So this doesn't turn into something, you know, like I just have to. Um, and, and that's the only thing I'm saying here. Okay. When last week we were talking about Joe Judge. I was kind of like a vanilla blah, you know, I'm just seeing something with Joe right now where I'm not seeing a true passion and they're one in four. You know, when you're one in four, you have to, in my opinion, a head coach has to exhume the confidence to get better and be, be the leader. Okay. And right now I'm not getting that from Joe judge. Hey, Giant fans, we have more coming up on today's show. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. It's a healthy, low-carb, low-sugar, and high-protein treat that will satisfy your sweet tooth. Choose from nine amazing flavors, plus the occasional limited-time offering available in nut and nut-free variety. Visit BuiltBar.com and use our special promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 at BuiltBar.com for 15% off your first order. All right, David, let's talk about the defense because there's a lot to talk about there. What is going on with this run defense? Is it just they miss Blake Martinez and Dalvin Tomlinson, who I, I still say, you know, that, that was a big loss for them, Dalvin Tomlinson. But to lose Blake Martinez on top of it, I think was just like the, the death blow, if you will. That run defense right now, can't stop anything. What do you see when you look at that group? The edges are soft. Like, look at where they attacked all night. It wasn't outside down- zone. Yeah, it wasn't downhill. It wasn't powers. It wasn't between the tackles. They stretched this defense left. They switched it right. I text you early in the game. If they don't sew up this this these corners on this defense, it's going to be a long day. And it was a long day. I think Dallas ran for 201 yards yesterday with an eight, a 5.2 average. Um, yes, they only gave up one rushing touchdown, but still, I mean, Graham needs to go back to the lab and and figure this out. And he's got to get those safeties involved on those outside zones. Those safeties are not coming downhill fast enough and and helping the outside linebackers right now. And I know he's trying to prevent doing that because as soon as you start asking your safeties to fly up into the box, it really opens your passing, you know, your back end to double moves and play action. And, and, you know, then the safeties are out of position and coverage. And I get that. Like, I'm not a dummy. I understand what, he, what he's trying to not do. He doesn't want to create another app, you know, another uh, hole, right. For someone to take advantage of, but that all being said, I mean, this run defense, I think they gave up, you know, 120 to Kamara last week. They gave up 110 to Zeke this week. Uh, plus, Pollard got another 75 late in the game. So, you know, for me, you, you really have to bring those safeties into the mix, kind of like what um, Seattle does with Adams, you know, when they bring Adams down into the box on, on, on rundowns and then they blitz them a lot. He needs to maybe look at some some stuff that they're doing with Adams up there in Seattle and play Peppers similarly because Peppers is a playmaker when you ask him to be. And I don't think right now the role Peppers is playing is really the playmaking role that he he should be dialed up to play. 
um, for this defense. Agreed. That all being said, yeah, there. I mean, the, the the we said it. Remember, I think you're the one who said it. The third preseason game when they were running on the edges a lot, and you were like, "What's going on?" They, you know, they they look kind of soft out there. I believe you're the one who brought that up in the third preseason game, and you are, and it's still a problem today. Five games into the season. It's still a problem. They haven't fixed it. And Graham, again, a guy I was really high on coming into the season, I really got excited about, has to manage his roster and has to figure it out. That's their job. Their job is to figure this out. And five games in now, giving up over 100 yards rushing to elite running backs. Don't get me wrong. Kamara and Elliott are elite running backs. But that being said, you still have to figure it out and stop them. That's your job. Well, you know, you mentioned you bring the safeties up, but then we saw James Bradbury on that C.D. Lamb touchdown, no safety help whatsoever. So, you know, was that just a busted coverage or did they bring the safeties up at that point and just say, okay, you know what, James, you're our shutdown guy who, by the way, he hasn't looked like a shutdown guy all year. You know, is it like a pick your poison type of deal with them? Defensive play calling is absolutely <laughs> pick your poison. Someone's going to be open. You just got to get to the quarterback before you can find them. I mean, that's every play. I mean, they, they this is gifted athletes. This is the NFL, right? I mean, Urban Meyer said it the best, that little coward. He just said that he was like, oh, it's like playing Alabama every week. No, did you really think that it was going to be like playing, you know, Kansas every week in the NFL? Like, come on, bro. Like, you don't even know where you're at. Like, we don't even need to get into that subject because I'll go off on him. Like, you have nobody's business. Um, but, you know, for me, it's like, you know, these guys get paid to play and they're very good gifted athletes. So someone's going to always be open. That touchdown situation to Lamb, I mean, he hit him with just a straight go route. And Bradbury looked like at first under the under 15 yards, he thought he was going to break. So he was just kind of sitting back. And then all of a sudden, Lamb just kept running and pulled away from him. And I don't think that was a busted coverage. I think I think Bradbury just played it wrong, you know, just played it wrong. Um, and then it happens. I mean, shoot, stuff like that happens. You know, it, it happens. But where Bradbury could have redeemed himself is when he read it right and he jumped that route and that that ball and right in the chest. I mean, as my high school coach would have said, if that was an arrow, you'd have been dead, kid. Um, you know, because it went right to the heart. <laughs> um, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta squeeze that one and bring it in, uh, and then redeem yourself for giving up a touchdown and get that turnover and stop that drive for them right there. Um, that's the best you can do as a corner. You gotta have short, short memories, and you know, make make the most of every situation as they come up. And that, that was a situation he, he lost on it. Again, if you're going to roll the uh, the safeties up and help out your run defense, your corners are going to be on islands, and they just have to they have to have good technique, and they have to just be out there with short memories. They're going to get beat. It's going to happen. Plain and simple, it's going to happen. And you going up against Rams this week? You're going to try it. It's going to happen. Okay. That being said, don't get beat for touchdowns. Get beat for ten yards. Get beat for twelve, maybe fifteen. But don't get beat for touchdowns. If you're going to give up a touchdown, just create the pass interference, give up the yardage, and 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 you know keep your your defense alive. But and if you don't show up this run defense with the games they have coming up, I mean this one and four team can wind, wind up one and seven or one and nine really easy. Yikes! That means we'll have a lot of interesting Mondays to talk about this stuff. But now I want to stay on the run defense though because you said. We, we both agree that they're soft on the edges. So, you know, O'Shane Simenez, 
run defense has always been his um, his issue, if you will. I'm kind of surprised to see that Lorenzo Carter has been having issues with the run defense. And Ojulari, you know, I can kind of give him a little bit of a pass because he's a rookie and he's got He's going to get better, I think, at it. But um, you know, the, the bottom line is, is you know, how much though? Again, is not having a Blake Martinez back there or the speed in in that inside linebacker group now to go sideline to sideline to help those guys out. Yes and no. I'm going to go yes and no. I'll give you the no first, and then I'll give you the yes, okay? So when you're, when you're a, an edge player, you know, and, you, and you're coming off and you're going to set the edge, like our outside linebackers and our defensive ends need to be, especially on a stretch run. A stretch run, you're in a 3-4 defense. You know, you're going to stretch. You, you say the tackles are taking the outside linebackers. The guards are going to take the, you know, four techniques four i six whatever they're lined up and then and then your linebackers usually fill right and they fill in the gaps in between there in this situation we're not bringing that tackle upfield we're not creating and and changing the line of scrimmage we're not in the backfield we're being too reactive we're letting them get into our 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 chest and push us to the sidelines versus us push them into the backfield and causing the running back to turn into our help. So I think the Blake Martinez and the speed disguised our weak edges because they would get to those sideline tackles so efficiently and work themselves through traffic or over the top of it really, uh, really well. And then they'd make a tackle. But the reality is you need to be stouter and create a stronger edge and push up field and, and change the line of scrimmage um, yesterday, J.J. Watt here in Arizona did it really wonderfully a couple times where he would penetrate and cause the the, the pools and the stuff that the, the Niners were trying to do, disrupting it in the backfield so that timing and then the running back was one-on-one with his outside linebacker. If our D-line and our outside linebackers penetrated better in these outside zones and push the linemen into the backfield, causing the running back to turn into the help, you wouldn't need the speed inside to get to the sideline. So therefore the yes part is yes, you're right. The speed is limiting our ability to stop the outside zones because the way we're playing it up front is spill it to the outside and let, and let the linebackers get there. What they need to do is set the edge firmer turn it into the less athletic linebackers that we have currently and let them clean it up inside. So it's just a technique coaching style, whereas you need to be firmer on the edges right now because you don't have the linebacker speed that you typically have. So you can't play the technique where you spill it to the outside and let them chase it down. You have to play the technique, set firm edges, penetrate, create a different line of scrimmage behind the line of scrimmage, disrupt the timing of the blockings and everything. And then that, then that will allow your linebackers that are a little less athletic than what you're used to, to get there and make the play. I hope that made sense. No, it does make sense, but it's like, you know, like you said, now what they had before disguised or, or covered up for what they lack and, and what they lack right now are guys that can set the edge which is a problem, which, you know, 
You got Lorenzo Carter, who's going into his, who's in his contract year, you know, Zimenez, I, you know, I, I would, I don't know how much missing last year hurt him, but like I said, his run defense was never a strength. You know, Ojulari, I think is going to be okay in time, but you know, you, you just, what, if they don't have any other options as I see it. I mean, do you maybe bring Carter Coughlin down? Can he hold the edge? I'm not so sure he can. No, Carter Coughlin is not an edge guy. Yeah. Um, but again, this is why you bring your safeties down because now you have an extra guy for the offensive block. And if he's, if Peppers, let's just say Peppers is in the box, that causes a mismatch. It, it, it gives you the run defense the advantage because you got the extra guy they have to block and account for. And then you can set an edge. You can knife through, make plays. You can utilize a guy like Peppers and his athletic ability and playmaking ability to blitz and do things again, like what they're doing with Jamal Adams up in Seattle. So that, that type of style right now, it it's going to hurt your pass defense and what you're going to do on the back end and your, your corners are going to be on islands. I get it, but it will sew up and sure up this run defense, which hopefully will help you get out of some of these, you know, creating longer third downs where then you back them out and you let him cover on third down, but first and second down, he might have to play in the box. So you create the longer third down situations. And by creating longer third down situations, statistically, you're going to be off the field more often than not. So it's just, again, when you're in this type of situation, it's not ideal, but it's a fix. It's not one that you want to use to fix it, but it's one that you need to use to fix it. Because if you're giving your defense a lot of third and threes and third and fours to defend, they're going to be on the field for longer and longer drives. Mm. A lot of fixing that still needs to be done, obviously. And guys need to play better, of course. You know, it, it, it's just a, an overall effort. The coaching decisions, which I know you said, you texted me and you said the coaching, man. You, you were, you were, I could tell you were at the boiling point with the coaching decisions. I don't know if some of those were included the defense or if it was just reserved for Jason Garrett on the offense, but um, still a long, long way for this Giants team to go. And uh, like you said, the schedule doesn't get any easier. They've got the Rams coming up, the Panthers are coming up, and then they have that real murderer's row with you know the Bucks and the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs, I think, are like, what, two and three now, but still a very good and potent team. And I don't know how they're going to get through this schedule. I mean, I, you know, it's a case of, it reminds me of last year when they knocked off the the Seahawks, everybody thought, Oh, wow. You know, and that was like their Super Bowl. And so far knocking off the saints has been like their Super Bowl and they haven't been able to really follow up and build on that. So, um, gosh, I hope they, I hope they do. I mean, because otherwise we're going to have a long, long year ahead. Well, it is. It's going to be a long year if they don't, Again, um, Joe Judge, in my opinion, needs to exhume, exhilarate a little bit more. I'm I'm missing the word here, so I'm sure one of your viewers. Passion. He needs to exude. Exude. That's it. Exude more, uh, more, more leadership. In my opinion, you gotta, you gotta put it out there. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta say this isn't good enough. And it doesn't, you don't have to call a player out to do that. But what you got to do is show it a little bit more, like you said, with emotions, 
with passion and bring it to the table to get it out there. You know, I know he comes from the Billichek and Saban model where they don't show much. They're very buttoned up guys. But those, again, if you go back early in Billichek's career, watch him on the sidelines when he was a Giants assistant and even in Cleveland when he was a Cleveland head coach, he showed some emotion as a young coach. And, you know, he, he grew into this stoic figure that we see now. Same with, you know, look at Nick Saban at LSU or at Michigan State or where he has been, right? And he's exhumed some when he was a young man. He put some passion out there. And even a few years ago when Lane Kiffin wasn't running the football, he exhumed a lot of passion to Lane Kiffin and told him run the effing football. That's what they do at Alabama. You know what I mean? So that's the kind of leadership that I'm looking for from Joe Judge. It's to go to Jason Garrett and be like, listen, dude, you can't run the quarterback. Like, just I don't want that on the damn play card. You got enough weapons. You got all these people to make plays. Quarterbacks are not running the ball anymore. If you look at me, if you can't make that happen for me, you're not my offensive coordinator. Mm. Like, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. You know, go to your defensive coordinator. If you can't play peppers in the box or, what you know, figure out how to get a safety on the edges then I'll get somebody else to call defenses because I'm at, I'm at my wits end. We're one in four. We have, like you said, a murderous row of, of games coming up. I don't want to sit at, I don't want to be at one and seven. Okay. I want to be at four and four. I want to be at four and four. If we're not four and four in the next three games, big changes are coming. I think big changes are coming regardless because, you know, this is not, you know, and, and I go back, you know, just one final point about Joe. And, you know, I, I, I think the world of Joe, I think he's, he's a bright, young, up-and-coming head coach. But when I go back, and they made this point on the broadcast yesterday, when I go back and they say Joe Judge extended the preseason into the regular season, that irks me to no end. It's like you had X number, the same amount of time as everybody else to figure things out. And you have to extend the preseason into the regular season when the games start to count and you had three winnable games to start your schedule. That bothers me to no end. And it goes back to the decision to not play the starters until the third preseason game. And then, oh, gosh, all of a sudden they're they're, they're like, oh, wow, we've got this deficiency and this deficiency that they could have figured that out, you know, had they maybe played these guys earlier. I guarantee you that changes next year. You don't see Joe Judge doing that again. I guarantee that. If Joe Judge is the coach next year. He will be. He'll I'm, be the coach. I don't know if Dave will be back. I mean, I you know, Dave, I think, will probably fall on the sword, so to speak. But Joe will be back. I, I don't see them starting over again. Well, here's the thing. I know Tish and Mara are not happy right now. And when they're both unhappy, you, no you're safe. You know, one's safe. I've been in the building. I know. Okay. Now when, when Tish is upset and Mara's okay and Mara's upset and Tish is okay. Like the two of them will calm each other down a little bit, but when they're both unhappy, it gets ugly. It does. It's a bloodbath. And here, and here's again, you're one in four. Okay. You're zero and two in your division. If you don't get to four and four with nine games to go, I can't say this coach is safe. If you're one in seven at the halfway mark, I can't say he's safe. And with Daniel Jones more than likely sitting this week out, and like you said, they're going up against um, 
Ah, the Rams, Carolina. Right? Well, they got the Rams first, and then I think Carolina. Right. And then I believe they start that murderer's row not shortly thereafter. Where they well, you got uh, going into your bye week, right? You got yeah. Rams, Carolina, Kansas City, Vegas. And All then right? you got the Bucks out of the bye. And then right out of the bye, you got the Bucks, Philly, Miami, Chargers. And the Chargers are playing pretty well. out of their skulls right now. Yeah. So you maybe can steal one against Philly. You might be able to hold your own against Miami, but. Well, I'm just looking going into the bye week with the next four games. All right. If you win the next four, right. If you win the next Which four, is you're, a tall five, order. you're five and four going into the rest of the season, right? You're five and four. So you're on the plus side. And then again, you got the murderous row coming. But if you don't get through the Rams, Carolina, Kansas City, and Vegas, a minimum three and one, a minimum three and one going into your bye week four and five. I don't know if anybody's safe in that bye week, being mm-hmm. frank, because here's the deal. You if you you don't have Daniel Jones more than likely versus the Rams. Barkley's ankle doesn't look like he's going to be even if he's mm-hmm. playing 100 percent. He's not playing next week. I'd be stunned if he's he's in the lineup next week. I'm with you, too, on that. I was just trying to be positive. <laughs> <laughs> and and Tony with that punch might be suspended. No, and I if- don't think I don't think he's going to be suspended. I saw something that that he's not going to draw a suspension, but. A fine. I think ESPN had that report. So they might we'll catch a see break what, there. We'll see what the NFL does. Okay, True. we'll see. But if let's just say you have Tony, but you're out Barkley and Jones, that Rams game is going to be extremely hard, extremely hard to win. The Carolina game is extremely hard to win. Those guys, they play hard yesterday against the Eagles. Had some miscues, but that has not been their case all year. They've been hitting on a lot of buttons, dropping two in a row. They're going to be hungry by that time to win again. Kansas City, they're not the Kansas City of old. That defense is having a hard time stopping anybody. But at the end of the day, that offense is still good. We saw it not, not against the Bills what they did, but two weeks ago, I mean, shoot. Fantasy football went crazy with Tyreek Hill having four touchdowns or whatever it was. And, and he's, you know, he, he was off the chain, off the board. So they are still very, very lethal. Now the Vegas started hot and they've cooled off recently. They've really cooled off a lot. So you got three very hard games and one winnable game, I think, in this stretch right here. And you're going to probably be without your quarterback for one of them and Barkley maybe for all four of them going into the bye week. So you have a very hard card to come out of this on the positive side going into the bye week. But as coaches, as professionals, you have to figure a way out. You have Mm -hmm. to win these ball games because going into your week 10 bye, if you are one and eight, that's the reality right now. They could be one and eight going into the bye week. Nobody is safe. Wow. I don't even want to think about that. I really don't. Because God help my mentions and my, my my letters to the editor and all that stuff. Oh, man. I mean, what do you say to people? You just don't. But, uh, hey, fingers crossed they get it figured out. I mean, I know I try to be, I try to be optimistic. I really do. I try to be optimistic. But, wow, this is going to be tough. This is going to be well, tough. And, and they again, blew- I go back. 
they blew their they blew the Denver game. They blew, they blew the, the first game, three games that were winnable they because the they extended game. their arm preseason. That's right. that's what irks me more than anything right now is that you didn't have your team really set and ready to go because you decided, well, they got enough work in practice, so we're not going to play them in the preseason game. When you've admitted that you cannot simulate the, the, the game speed in practice, I never got that. I, I still don't understand it. If you can explain it to me, maybe I'm missing something. No, I was with you. I don't believe in it. I believe you play football. The players play football. Get them on the field and play football. You know, Warren Sapp always said it. They don't pay me to play the game on Sundays. They pay me to practice and lift weights. Because if they have to pay you to play the game, you're in the wrong business. He loved playing the game. He would line it up and get after it. But yeah, the business side, I got to lift weights. Mm -hmm. I got to show up on time. I got to go to meetings. I got to be underweight. I got it. These are the things I have to do to be able to be able, be fortunate to play the game on Sunday. Yep. And he wanted to play the game on Sunday so bad. He did it and he got mm -hmm. paid really good to do it. But he knew in his, his mental mindset was they pay me to prepare to play the game. Yeah. Playing the game. Nobody has to pay me to play the game. Throw a ball out in the freaking lawn. I'm playing a game. And Ray, Ray Lewis, all the great ones. Randy Moss, all the great ones are that way. You don't have to pay me to play. I want to play the game. I'll go find a park game and go play like that's the mentality right now. The Giants don't have that mentality. Like, dude, let's go have some fun and play the game. And during the week, do the work to get ready to play the game. You know, like that's the work. Sundays are fun. Like Sundays should be fun. Go out there and have fun and just play, play with reckless abandonment and hit people. And, you know, that's fun. We don't all get to do it anymore. We're all beat up old men and we can't play anymore. But trust me, you roll that ball out. There's some park, you know, thanks to giving leftover bowls. There's a lot of old men playing the game because they love the game. These guys get paid to play the game and coach the game. But you got to go to work. during. And right now, if I'm Joe Judge and I'm on my coaching staff, it's about 11 o'clock. We've gotten the players through their meetings. We're about to go to coaches meetings and talk about some stuff. He's got to figure a way. Yep. To figure that to to get this team on the right side, uh, and he's got four games right now to do it. He's got yeah. that's. I know you say one game at a time, but you really have a four game season right now. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well, my friend, as always, this was a fun conversation even though it wasn't a fun game to watch so uh, very a lot of great stuff as always from you um so appreciate you we'll talk again as we always do giant fans want to thank you for tuning in making us your first listen of the day i know we came to you a little later than usual today but i hope you thought it was well worth it make sure you tune in tomorrow we got twitter tuesday and then of course thursday we've got the crossover show and uh, I'll see what I can put together for you on Wednesday and Friday. Still kind of figuring that all out. So for David Turner, I am Patricia Chena. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast.